Scripture this morning is taken from the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' closing words to his disciples. Listen for the word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. This is the first sermon in a series that will last now and then occasionally over the next several months. The title of the series that will be made up of about seven sermons is simply, Why? It's an opportunity for me to reflect a bit during these closing months of just topics and themes in the faith that have inspired me or that I've been thinking about for 40 years in ministry, to, um, to propose some ideas, to think through some things, and, uh, and to well, summarize a bit. So we begin with why Trinity? Why begin there? Well, the easiest answer is that it's Trinity Sunday. So the church started there. But why not, why not start the series, I thought, on this day? Why Trinity? But there is a personal reason for that, too. And, and that is because I... I would say to you, just my own testimony, that this idea, this notion in the church that we have been grappling over for over 2,000 years of God as one in three, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, described in many ways the idea that we call the Trinity, has been important to me and become increasingly important, increasingly inspiring increasingly the ground of how I think about the faith. And so it, it might be that that question, why Trinity, might be a good way to shape a sermon about the Trinity. Why Trinity? Well, here's one answer. Because the idea of the Trinity tells us a little something about how Christians think, about what doctrine is, about what doctrine is not, and about how we should approach it. What do I mean when I say the word doctrine? Doctrine is the ideas, the, the notions, the themes that have developed over time around which we shape our faith. Ideas in the history of the church that have inspired, vexed, divided believers, sometimes with great hostility. 
ideas to which we keep coming back, that have our attention, ideas that define the thinking side of Christian faith. Now, I could list them all, but we'd be here for about a week. There are many of them, but today, there's one, Trinity. But I need to know this. We tend to make a mistake in the church, I think. When we think about doctrine, these ideas, as kind of rational conclusions with straightforward meanings, that's where we get tripped up. For my money, the most interesting doctrines of the church work rather differently than that. They're more like metaphors or symbols. No less real for that reason. In fact, maybe more real. They hold our questions. They hold our experiences. They hold puzzles within them. They hold conflicts within them. They hold many ideas within them. They protect what we have known and they inspire more thinking. Sometimes they can only do that by bending language and reason at the service of what they're trying to say. Let me give you an example of what I mean outside of theology. My love is a rose. Now, a rose is a thing, a flower that grows from the ground. Love is an emotion that we feel for a thing, for others. It's, it manifests in action. My love is a rose makes no sense whatsoever. Those two things don't go together. And yet, you and I both know that that phrase, my love is a rose, says something that there's no better way to say. Take the flag as another example a powerful symbol that holds much emotion within that. They can't always be explained. Positive emotion, negative emotion, worries, fear, memories, aspirations, all held in a symbol. Uh, here's an exercise for you. Think of someone or something or a memory that you cherish profoundly or that has profoundly affected you and shaped you and become a filter through which you see much of life. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's a trauma or a loss. Maybe it's a gain. Maybe it's a vocational choice that you are making or have made. Maybe it's a mountaintop experience of some kind or something else like that. Now, explain that to me. No, no. Don't just describe it. Don't just account for it. Fully, entirely, deeply explain it. I'm going to bet that you can't. I'm going to bet that there is always a surplus. There is always something extra about it that you can't quite complain or explain which is what makes it so rich in your life.
No, no, no. That's not quite it. It's a part of it, but not quite. No, no. Let me try it this way. No. Well, I mean, yes, it's that, but it's also this. And now let me try again. No. I used to think of it this way, but now I'm, I'm thinking of it this way. If it can be easily explained, it's probably not the kind of grounding, life-making thing that I'm talking about. Now, that is a hint of how Christian doctrines are supposed to work in the church as they're refined through time. We back into them. We hold them like a thimble on our finger. We explore them. We submit them to our experience, to reason, to the community, to tradition, to our sacred scriptures. They invite us toward mystery, not mastery. Let me say that again. They invite us toward mystery, not mastery. So for this reason, when someone comes up to you on a street corner and says, explain to me the doctrine of the Trinity, my suggestion to you is to simply say, I'd rather not. And then say to them, a better question for me would be, tell me about God. And then I will answer, God is a mystery, best explained as one in three, three in one, described in several ways, beginning with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Which leads me right to the second reason for being fascinated with the idea of the Trinity. And that is because of what the idea says to us about God. And what it says about God makes all the sense in the world. I've already begun telling you about it. God is mystery, never exhausted, not conquerable, not simple. The easiest way you can tell that is because in the idea of the Trinity, the math doesn't work. One does not equal three, three does not equal one. And one is not one-third of three in this idea, and three is always one and one and one, but not one and one and one, but one. All right. Uh, it doesn't work for me. But that's the point of it. If the math worked simply, it would be more about our world than about its creator. But that doesn't mean that anything we say that is odd or off track is therefore true. The idea of the Trinity also says something more. It has an idea within it that goes the next step. And it says that beyond the non-mathematical logic, it does more to not just distance God, but bring God close by saying that the one in three are balanced together, simultaneous, co-equal, but different. All right. God abstract, God particular, God active. 
God, Father, Mother, God, Son, Jesus, God, Birthing Holy Spirit, God, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, God, Source, Wellspring, Flow, God, Power, Wind, Fire, Language, Word, Meaning, Ice, Water, Steam, if you must, or many sides of one dice that always comes up God from our children's message this morning. So, if three are different but not separate, expressions but not parts, simultaneous but not one, co-equal but coming from each other, then God is relational. All the way down and all the way up. Internal to God's self, this is telling us, is relationship. The Christian tradition has often used a word that could be translated as dance to describe that. Inside of God, God's character, God's being as best we can intuit from our experience, from reason, from the scriptures, from the tradition, is a dance. And so also is God's relationship with what God has made. A good way to describe that would be to say that God's dance overflows with God's self toward what is. All right, that's abstract, that's twisty, that's an intellectual idea, except that it makes sense of the experience of faith. And it makes sense of the scripture that was read in your hearing from the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. In the only place in scripture where this formula seems to appear Jesus summing up the significance of his very being. All authority on heaven and earth, creator. Follow me as I am called into the world to affect others, redeemer. And remember that I am with you always, sustainer. As the text says, father, son, and Holy Spirit, into whom we have been baptized, in whom we live and move and have our being. God comes to us in this Trinitarian way. And so, I cling to the, to the idea of God as Trinity because of what it says about how Christians think and because of what it says about the God we think about, and because of what it says about us as we think about this God. It says that we can have more than one experience of God and know that each one of them is both enough and yet also incomplete. So maybe we can listen and love each other a little better. 
It says that we can explore God rather than tackle God like a puzzle or a problem. So therefore, maybe we can spend our life living into this. It says that we can participate in God, move with God, and live for God, and find ourselves and each other as we do that, which means we can be a church. Life is a full contact sport on the field of God's loved and redeemed creation. Life is a full-bodied dance across the stage of God's loved and redeemed creation. Life is a full-throated word in the poem of God's loved and redeemed creation. That is what Trinitarian faith teaches us about us. So what difference does the idea of the Trinity make for you? Instead of getting tied up in knots, trying to understand it or explain it, or just ignoring it because it feels old and confusing, can you let it just reverberate a bit and let that let the way that it describes who God is and how we know God and how we experience God with us, let that do its work inside you. It takes some patience, but I promise it'll be worth it. And can you ask yourself and the people you love what difference it might make if you lived as if God is, in fact, mysterious and fascinating and relational and overflowing and active in our lives in the way that the idea of the Trinity suggests that God is. And can you see life itself, even your life, as always a kind of reflection of what we see of this triune God, this God who is three and one, one and three, Father, Mother, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, Maker, Healer, Encourager. You can add to this list, but in all of this I see Creativity, sacrifice, healing, persistence, presence, compassion, and power. All balanced for the purpose of love. I see all of that and more. In God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Why the Trinity? That's why. Amen.